This is Premise for Customer 64, and today we're talking about reducing the noise of airfoils using porous trailing edges. And this is quite similar to podcast number 37, where we looked at porous clothing on ski jumps. But while they had porous uh, clothing, the effects were very different, as we'll look into here. So this paper is looking into the noise reduction and how these porous trailing edges affect the aerodynamics. And this is the paper called Self-Noise Reduction and Aerodynamics of Airfoils with Porous Trailing Edges. It's open access, so you can find it in the link in the description. So let's get on with it. So for airfoils, trailing edge noise is the dominant source, is a dominant source of noise in several applications, including wind turbine noise, fan noise, and airframe noise. There are different methods to reduce this noise by modifying the blade, which includes the use of flow permeable materials. And the reason why you want to reduce the noise is partly because it's really annoying, but also partly because noise is also a form of uh, inefficiency to some extent. So reducing noise is always beneficial. Or oh, I guess I, should, I shouldn't say that because sometimes you can use noise to trip boundary layers. So usually they're beneficial, let's say, to reduce noise. So in addition, the availability of 3D printing technologies enables the use of porous trailing edges manufactured via rapid prototyping. So we can actually make uh, trailing edges that are porous. So we have the technology. There are also approaches to combine the successful concept of serrated trailing edges with porous modifications. So let's talk about serrated trailing edges now. Serrated trailing edges is exactly what it sounds like. So imagine like a knife with a serration. That's just what the trailing edge of an F4 looks like. So often they're much sharper than that, but that's a general idea. So why is this important? The reason why is because serrated trailing edges have been investigated for quite a few years, and at least to my knowledge, maybe 20 years actually probably longer, uh, to reduce the noise of airfoils. And the reason why they reduce the noise is because of an airfoil, the noise that comes from the trailing edge is a tonal noise because it, the entire flow sheds at one point. So it's, it's um, what's called coherent. It's um, in line with itself. If you make the trailing edge serrated, it means now the flow is shedding at different points at different times. So now it's not coherent. That's the terminology. And that reduces the tonal noise dramatically. And this is very successful. And um, you can see quite a some birds even have this um, phenomenon as well. So serrated edges is a, is a known way of reducing the noise of an airfoil. But they're looking into the permeability side of things for this airfoil uh, study. So how it works is the front part of the airfoil is non-porous. And only the trailing edge is permeable to the flow. The aim of this design is to combine the aerodynamic advantages of a conventional non-porous airfoil with the acoustic advantages of a fully porous airfoil. So as you may have uh, figured from that last sentence, having a porous, any part of the airfoil being porous can be detrimental to the aerodynamic performance. And they're looking into that in this paper. So you want to reduce that detriment while still reaping the aeroacoustic advantages. So let's look into the airfoil that they used. The airfoil was an SD7003 shape, which is a fairly common uh, wind turbine blade shape. And to give you an idea of what it looks like, it's, a, it's effectively, think of like a NACA 0012 airfoil, but just squashed at the bottom. So it's, it's um, not symmetric about the, the cord line. It's, um, it's a cambered effectively. And... Um, the thickness is about the same amount. And if you look at the lift curve slope, it mimics pretty closely the uh, NACA 0012 lift curve slope in terms of the lift curve slope, the maximum lift 
coefficient that it uh, reaches. The stalling characteristic, which is quite gradual. The only difference really, or the main difference is that for this airfoil, because it's not symmetric, because it's cambered, the lift curve stuff is shifted up a little bit. So instead of at zero degree angle attack producing zero lift, it's actually producing a lift coefficient of 0 0.25. Apart from that, they, it mimics, it, it um, is pretty similar to the NACA 0012 performance in terms of lift coefficient. And the cord for this was 235 millimeters and a span of 400 millimeters. And they were made it completely of porous materials without any internal barriers. However, as we'll find out, they looked at different amounts of different surface areas being porous and not depending on how they coated the airfoils. So it was found as a result of a previous study on porous trailing edges that materials with medium to high airflow resistivity are especially promising regarding a potential flow noise reduction. So what this means is you want to have some porosity, but not, not have it just completely porous. So there's a, a optimal point there. And they have an overview of all the airfoils that they were looking at in this study, in this uh, table. So they used a bunch of different airfoils. There are uh, seven of them, it seems. And they range from being completely solid, so that's the reference case, to being 95% porous. So like pretty much you can blow through it. And uh, in between, most of them are around the 50% mark. And interestingly, they use one um, material. So they have a few different materials that they made these airfoils from. One of them is something called metal foam. And I'd never heard of this before. So I looked it up and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's foam <laughs> that's made of metal. And to give you an idea of what it looks like, it's, um, you know, like the metal sponges that you use to scrub like hard like things to get off with um they look like that like it's i don't know exactly what you call the sponge in wherever you're from i don't want to go through all 200 countries and list what that sponge is called in each country <laughs> but it looks like that so it's fairly porous and it just looks like all this wire just stuck together with all these little holes everywhere so that's what metal foam is which i've never seen before so the airfoils were assembled from span-wise slices of porous material, which were then cut from plates or mats of the porous material using water jet cutting. And because other technologies such as laser cutting or milling would most likely close the open pores on the surface. So that's interesting. The way that you actually cut these airfoils will affect how these pores are affected, will affect how these pores uh, become. But even though the water jet cutting was quite good, it was found that for one of the porous materials, even the water cutting affected the pores on the surface. This would lead to a different permeability through the airfoil compared to that of the homogeneous porous material. The change of the surface of the porous airfoil made of the new material called Cyperm, a stainless steel foam with a, nom a nominal porosity of 49 to 54%, uh, is shown in figure two. So let's look at figure two here. It's quite amazing because if you look at uh, the original surface, it's kind of looked like um, Hebel, which is like, um, if you know what that is, it's um, like uh, aerated concrete. It's, um, you know, if you look at a cinder block, it looks like that. But once you cut it with the um, water cutter, with the water jet, now there are these little lines in there and they're all aligned. So it looks like uh, little riblets. Riblets are, um, they look like shark skin if you know what that looks like. It's just like all these little striations on there. So the, the water jet cutting leaves its mark on the surface and that changes the aerodynamic characteristics. So 
it is known that flow permeable, flow permeable airfoils can lead to a noticeable noise reduction compared to a non-porous reference airfoil, while at the same time, the aerodynamic performance will suffer, leading to a reduction in lift and an increase in drag due to the surface roughness associated with the permeable surface. So that's interesting. So they're saying that if you have a rough surface, that's going to increase the drag. That's because of the skin friction drag. However, I'm wondering whether if you had this on a airfoil at a low Reynolds number and at a high angle of attack, if this would actually be beneficial because the reason why I say that is if you have a Reynolds number which is very low, it means that the flow is now laminar. And that means it's not as good as at resisting separation as a turbulent flow because it has less energy near the the boundary layer, then in the, the wall, sorry, in the boundary layer. And if you then push the airfoil to a high angle attack, that will uh, promote stall. So if you have this surface roughness now on the airfoil surface, that will make the flow more turbulent. It will allow it to stay attached at high angles of attack, therefore making it more aerodynamic at high angles of attack. So even though they said here that it can reduce the aerodynamic performance, I think that would be only for certain situations, not every situation. I think for laminar and uh, high-angle attack flows, it might actually be beneficial. So let's move on. They say one very simple approach to improve the aerodynamics that was also used in another paper is to cover a large part of the porous airfoil surface with a thin impermeable adhesive foil and leave only the trailing edge porous. So they have uh, effectively, they wrapped the front part of the airfoil with this, this, um, film effectively and only leave the trailing edge open to this um, this porous material and we'll get into why that would be the case later on so they say this method method was also employed in the current study using uh, the foils oracle banner and oracle exhibition i know what they are and oracle intermediate i'm guessing some kind of air, some kind of foils <laughs> and the they um, wrap them at different cord wise points so they wrap them from the trailing from the leading edge to uh, 50%, oh, sorry, from leading edge to 25%, 10%, 20%, 50%, and 100%. So they looked at all different amounts of porosity of the, on the surface. They say the partially porous airfoils and the reference airfoil were tripped at 10% of the cord using anti-slip tape with a height of approximately 0.8 millimeters and a width of 2 millimeters. No tripping tape was applied to the fully porous airfoils since they're relatively coarse surface and should the existence of a turbulent boundary layer so let's talk about this so tripping the boundary layer what tripping the boundary layer means is when you put some sort of roughness at a certain point along an object it doesn't have to be an, even an airflow it can be anything and what that does is when the flow is reaching it it's still laminar it hits it then all this um, mixing occurs and all this turbulence is introduced into the boundary layer and then that allows the boundary layer to develop into a turbulent boundary layer so what they're using here is the anti-slip tape and the reason why this works is because of its height and width now for this airfoil where they said they didn't put tripping tape whether this actually produces a similar uh, turbulent boundary layer or not it's debatable um, there are different levels of turbulence like for example whether the this is actually a fully turbulent boundary layer now or whether it's still developing, it's transitional. Who knows? You need to do a probably hot wire study with that. But that's one potential thing to look at. Overall, they wanted to get turbulent flows. So with their wind tunnel, I just wanted to quickly talk about this because it looks quite quite sweet where they have 
their wind tunnel. It's effectively a jet, and this is very typical of an anechoic wind tunnel. An anechoic wind tunnel is, um, if you break it down the word, it's anechoic, so no echoes, effectively the, the idea of it. And so you have the fan, and it's usually placed somewhere upstream, but the flow has to go around a lot of corners, and there's a lot of um, material in the um, tunnel to absorb all the sound from the jet from the um, fan before it gets to your airfoil or your object. And so that means that the air coming out now is quiet. However, you still get some noise from the shear layers, so the flow that's coming out of the tunnel from the from the outlet from the outlet is now mixing with the the stationary air around it and so there's this um, shear layer this mixing layer and that can create noise and then you obviously want to have the sides of your wind tunnel and the top and bottom to be porous so it will absorb the noise and then with this wind tunnel in particular they have something called a microphone array on the top so what is a microphone array uh, these are another general term for them is beam forming and what this does is effectively you just have a whole bunch of microphones in a, a scattered around fairly uh, uniformly distributed. You can have them in a um, Cartesian sort of way or in a, in a um, polar uh, um, distribution, so around in a circle sort of way, depending on what you want. Then you can determine where the noise is coming from by triangulating effectively the different frequencies. So you have one microphone which um, is indicating a certain sound pressure level, a certain loudness at one point another microphone is indicating another loudness by understanding how the noise uh, dissipates and, and that you can then triangulate where this noise is going to be coming from and this is called beamforming and you use a microphone array to do this and they have one of these this is fairly cutting edge uh, not every anechoic wind tunnel has these in fact i'd probably say maybe five percent do but these um this instrument is very beneficial because then you can determine where on the airfoil the noise is coming from, as we'll see later. And you can make some really fancy pictures and get a lot of information. You can uh, understand where this noise is coming from and why. So here we have an, a picture of this showing it, the beam forming results. And you have the airfoil. And something to note is the airfoil width is much greater than the inlet or the, or the outlet of the wind tunnel's width. So that means that you're going to have the shear layers of the wind tunnel going over the airfoil, and that's producing some noise. You also have the noise coming from the trailing edge. And this beam-forming technology allows you to see where this noise is coming from and the deci decibel level. So it shows that on the trailing edge, the decibels peak at about 50, maybe, maybe 53 decibels. And the shear layers that I mentioned before, they're only maybe about 45, maybe 48, let's say. So it's a very powerful technology. So let's talk about the aerodynamic measurements now. So they did not only this acoustic measurements, which we'll get into in a second, but they also did aerodynamic measurements. And they did the general thing where you just have a load cell and you measure the forces, and then you determine the lift and drag coefficients. And just one thing I've highlighted here is the density of air. They obviously used that to non-dimensionalize the lift to get lift and non-dimensionalize drag to get the drag coefficients. The reason why that's important is because I just highlighted it because the density of air changes on every day by about 2 to 4%. And the reason why that's important is because if you assume the density of air is something, let's say 1.2 kilograms per meter cubed or 1.225 kilograms per meter cubed, then you have that error in your results because the density is not actually that. For example, where I am now, the density is 1.185 kilograms per meter cubed. 
And that's very normal. That's a very normal range. So you have now a 2 or 4% error, maybe more if you have a storm on the way or it's a different season and you don't know, you don't, don't even know it. So your results are not repeatable and your trends are being hidden and there's just a lot of error. To get rid of that, we made the Atmosphere Hawk. That's an instrument that actually measures the density for you and gives it to you on a large screen as well as the temperature, pressure and humidity. And you can also plug it straight into your computer and it will give your computer that data. So that gets rid of that error. I don't know in this paper if they measured the density. They probably didn't because most don't and they should. So there's a link in the description to get the Atmosphere Hawk and make your experiments much easier for yourself. So you get one and be happy. So let's move on with their results. So they say the majority of the measurements were was performed at a fixed geometric angle of attack of four degrees at flow speeds between 18 meters per second and 86 meters per second, which corresponds to uh, Reynolds numbers of 283,000 and 1.34 million. And they also did a few more at around 900,000 just for, for good luck. So these Reynolds numbers, they constitute uh, Reynolds, um, boundary layer characteristics from transitional to fully turbulent. The 1.34 million Reynolds number, I assume that's going to be very turbulent, not only because it is a very high Reynolds number, but because they have the tripping tape as well. 283,000 Reynolds number, that's probably going to be fully turbulent because I have the tripping tape, but maybe not. It could still be transitional. I don't know what the um, terms intensity of their wind tunnel is, so that's a little bit difficult to tell. But it's probably going to be around fully turbulent. So for the aerodynamic results, this is really cool because you don't see these plots too often. They have a drag polar plot. And what a drag polar plot is, on the x-axis, you have the drag coefficient. On the y-axis, you have the lift coefficient. Usually you have, um, on the x-axis, the angle attack. But the drag poles are very um, common for in the aeronautical industry. So they say the reference F4 generates the highest lift coefficient and the lowest drag coefficient. The basic trend that can be observed for the partially porous airfoils is the lift coefficient increases with increasing airfoil resistivity, so less porous, and decreasing with and decreasing extent of the porous material. So in other words, the less porous the airfoil is the higher the lift coefficient. However, the opposite trend occurred for the drag coefficient. So it increased with reducing with, um, yeah, that's right. So they, it increased when uh, the por the porosity increased, uh, sorry, decreased, uh, increased, sorry, that's right. So it increased when it increased in porosity and increased when um, less of the airfoil was, um, porous. So onto the drag polar plots, one thing that I would like to talk about is a very easy way to determine the, op the um, best airfoil. So if you have a drag polar plot and you have a bunch of airfoils plotted, a very easy way to tell which airfoil is better is by going from the uh, lift coefficient of zero and the drag coefficient of zero, so that intercept in the y-axis, and then drawing a straight line and seeing which point has the greatest slope. Once you get that, you know that that, angle, that airfoil at the angle attack has the greatest lift to drag ratio. It's the most efficient. Why is that? Because if you have a greater slope, you have the highest lift with the lowest drag um, slope effectively. So that's a very easy trick to determine what airfoil is the most efficient. In addition to that, if you look at a drag polar, it's very easy to see what airfoil is generally more efficient as well, because if you have one airfoil which has a very steep slope, it means that to get 
more lift, you only need to increase the drag a little bit. If the slope is much shallower, it means to get a little bit of lift, you have to increase the drag a lot more. So that's a very powerful um, advantage for using drag polos, as strange as they may seem to begin with. So let's move on. The sole effect of the porous materials on their aerodynamic coefficients can be seen, let's see in figure nine, for the fully porous airfoils. So um, the influence of the material of the fully porous airfoils on their aerodynamic performance at 40 angle attack. Interestingly, as the runs number increases, which I, they plotted here, the lift coefficient doesn't really get affected too much. Like the entire airfoil is covered in this porous material. It isn't covered with the film at all to block off any of the pores. It's completely open to uh, the air. But even increasing the Reynolds number, the lift and drag coefficients don't really change too much. It's fairly stable. At low Reynolds numbers, you can say that they kind of are a little bit higher. Um, they lift and the drag a little bit, but overall it's fairly similar. So that means it's Reynolds number independent. They say basically the same conclusions can be drawn regarding the influence of the amount of um, porosity, as we mentioned before, where the airflow, when the airflow porosity reduces, the lift coefficient increases and the drag coefficient decreases. However, a close observation reveals an interesting detail regarding the airfoil made of cyperm, so one material. While technically it is the porous material with the second highest airflow resistivity, so the least porous material, it achieves the highest lift and the lowest drag of the porous airfoils. This can be assumed to be due to the change of the surface as a result of the water cutting. It seems that the water cutting, although not resulting in a much higher airflow resistance, does improve the aerodynamic properties, maybe by making the surface smoother. So by making that smoother, you we definitely drop the drag. And considering that we are only at 40 degree angle attack, we don't really care about the stall characteristics. It's not, um, we're not at that point yet. So we don't really mind that the lift isn't, um, isn't uh, being benefited because it's not an issue. So that may be why their performance is increasing. They say the isolated effect of the extent of the porous material on the aerodynamic performance is then shown in figure 10 for one airfoil made of resimat. As would be expected, the lift coefficient increases and with decreasing extent of porous material. So in other words, the more you tape off the airfoil, the better the lift will become, but the drag reduces. So I think that the porous material is actually probably turbulating the flow, which then reduces the pressure drag, which is maybe why more of the surface that is exposed to this porous, that has this porous material um, will result in a lower drag. That's what I think. But interestingly, they say when the porous extent is only 5% of the total cord length, the lift coefficient is about 85 to 95% of the value of the non-porous reference value. And the drag increases by about 3% to 22%. So what this shows is that it's completely non-linear. I mean, if you only have 5% of the entire wing exposed to this, uh, having this porous material, the lift coefficient can reduce by 15% and the drag coefficient can increase by 22%. So that's all over the shop. So it's not linear, these effects. And that's very often the case. Actually, in podcast number, um, I, let me give me a second here. Actually, yeah, in podcast number 54, I go through some CFD showing how lift and drag does not uh, do not reflect each other based on changing of an airfoil on changing uh, parameters. So if you change the Reynolds number or you change uh, the density of air, they will not affect the lift and drag coefficients by the same amount. That's very normal. 
So let's move on to the acoustic results. We've covered the aerodynamic results now. They say a reduction of the strength of this noise source due to the porous material is visible for all porous extents. So this is noise coming from the trailing edge with the wind, wind tunnel shear layer. They say the sound maps also reveal that there is no noise, there's a noise source at the aft end of the impermeable foil at the transition between the non-porous front part of the surface and the porous aft part. So in other words, they put these airfoils into their wind tunnel. They looked at the, the noise coming off them and they found that there's noise from different sources, including that interface be between the porous and non-porous parts of the airfoils where you know how they taped the front part of the airfoil. Where that ends, then you start getting noise. So they then go on to describe maybe why this occurs. They say, with decreasing extent of the porous material, this source is visible as a span-wise line source moving downstream towards the trailing edge. Although the impermeable airfoil is very thin, it is possible that the noise at this location is due to the interaction of the wind tunnel shear layer with a resulting small backwards step, backwards facing step. So in other words, they're saying that maybe this foil that they put on, even though it is very thin, there is still a tiny backwards facing step effectively like that little discontinuity that may be producing lift, uh, maybe producing noise, sorry. They say another possibility is that this, the noise here is because the pressure from the suction side and pressure from the uh, pressure side can now interact and compensate each other so they can equalize. They might be producing noise as well. So that's probably a very likely reason as well, considering that the foils are very porous and the backwards facing step is very small to begin with. I mean, if you look at the, the um, figures, the noise coming from this region is always dominant for some cases, like for the point where the front half of the airfoil is covered with this foil and the back half is not. This noise source is really the dominant one out of the entire airfoil. So it's probably due to the porous um, effect more than the backwards facing step. Another reason why I say that is because for most airfoils, the um, greatest pressure difference between the pressure side and the suction side occurs where the airfoil is thickest. Now, for this airfoil, they didn't have, um, they didn't go upstream enough to reach that point for the airfoil, but 50% is the furthest upstream they went, and that's also where the highest noise is coming from. So it coincides quite nicely with this pressure differential, which is why I think that it probably is that. And as you go downstream more in terms of the that uh, foil covering more of the airfoil, this noise reduces more and more, which also coincides with the pressure differential being less and less between the two sides. So I think it's probably due to the pressure differential um, now being able to interact with each other with that end of, with that foil ending than the backwards facing step. So one idea to reduce the strength of this source in future investigations would be to use a foil with a serrated trailing edge, which is based on the studies of airfoils with tra serrated trailing edges. So that's pretty funny. They're now using a, trailing edge which is serrated on the airfoil with this um, tape instead of the actual trailing edge of the airfoil. Another thing to talk about is the trailing edge of the airfoil itself. With uh, these beam forming results, you can see that there is noise coming from the trailing edge, which is to be expected. They say, one major observation is that not all of the porous airfoils lead to a noise reduction. Some of the materials even lead to a noticeable noise increase. For example, this is true for the two new airfoils made from rubber granulate. With the exception of a small range of low frequencies, those airfoils generate considerably more noise than the non-porous reference airfoil. This may be caused by the surface of the two materials 
which seemed to exhibit a higher roughness than that of the Air Force made with metal foam. Another possible reason is that these materials have a very low porosity, which was already found to be disadvantageous regarding a potential trailing edge noise reduction. In addition, the airfoils are not rigid, which may lead to vibrations of the trailing edge and thus to additional noise. That's potentially true as well. When you have a rubber granulate, they're not going to be as rigid as a metal foam. So many other porous materials lead to a visible noise reduction compared to the non-porous surface airfoil at large at a large range of geometric angles of attack. So now they have the graph showing the frequency uh, on the x-axis and the sound pressure level in decibels on the y-axis. And overall, it's about as clear as mud in terms of how good this, these porous airfoils are. A few things to point out. One, at low angles of attack, the there is a tonal noise at about three, that's 3,000 hertz. As you increase angle attack, this tonal noise becomes flatter and flatter until it's kind of non-existent. Um, so it's really only at low angles of attack. And that makes sense if it is from the trailing edge, because as you increase angle attack, um, especially for these graphs, they go up to 24 degrees. The, this airfoil, the SD7003, starts stalling at about 12 degrees. So by the time you get to 24 degrees, a lot of the airfoil has stalled, which means that the trailing edge is not seeing an attached flow. So you're not going to be getting um, noise coherently from the trailing edge as if you were at low angles of attack. So that makes sense why this tonal noise would, would drop off with increasing angle attack. Now, another thing to point out is that at high frequencies, the some airfoils, they perform much better than reference airfoil. Other airfoils perform much poorly, much worse. Another thing to point out is that these graphs are in decibels and decibel graphs are often very misleading to people who aren't familiar with them. The reason why is because decibels are not, they're not a linear graph. They're a log graph, log 10. So that means if you reduce the, the decibel level by three, so not very much, if you have a decibel level of 16, you reduce it by three to 57, you reduce the amount of power, the loudness by actually half. So a small reduction is a huge reduction in reality. So that's why when we get to high frequencies, we can see that some of the airfoils do reduce the, the decibels by about three, maybe five in the high frequencies, but some increase by even up to like, what's that, maybe eight or nine decibels. So some are really good, some are really bad. As you increase angle attack, this kind of um, gets exacerbated where the ones that are really bad become worse and the ones that are better kind of become better until a certain point. And then when the stall occurs, they start to not perform as well again. So they start to become more similar to the reference case. So the porous airfoils are not always good. Sometimes they're really good, other times they're not in terms of the reducing their air acoustics. So finally, let's talk about figure 16. So figure 16 shows the overall sound pressure level of the partially porous airfoils with varying porous extents compared to the reference airfoil at four degrees angle attack. Now, again, as I mentioned, um, this is a decibel graph and decibel graphs are often very misleading. And if you look at these graphs, you think that, oh, well, the reference airfoil is not really that much worse than all the others. But even a three decibel reduction is a massive reduction in the loudness. It's a reduction in half of the sound pressure level. And we can see that pretty much every airfoil reduces the sound pressure level by three decibels really across the different frequencies, across the different Reynolds numbers, sorry, the overall sound pressure level, the overall noise. So all of them produce a fairly decent reduction in the um, 
aeroacoustics except for a couple outliers which don't so it's a bit hit and miss some are very good others not so much again that may be due to the um, different materials and different porosities so that's in this podcast make sure to like subscribe and check out our other podcasts and if you have any comments let me know i'd be interested to hear your thoughts about the acoustics of porous trailing edges and also make sure to pick up the atmosphere hawk to make your experiments much easier and better it makes your life a lot easier because it measures the density of air for you so you don't need to worry about changes in it and you'll be loving life links in the description peace out amigos